0: years ago and quite an upsetting experience and bear in mind over that many years I've been doing youth work I've had to deal with uh, drug issues, I've had to deal with violence, I've had to deal with weapons but this is one that really won't go out of my mind and I was and actually like it was such a sort of um, tough experience Andre and Joe had to go with me and we were asked to go uh, with the youth group on an outing. And as I say, I've been in all sorts of perilous and troubling situations, but nothing prepared me for this. I was asked to go to a football match at the Hawthorns, which is the home ground of West Bromwich Albion. Yeah. Highest, uh, highest ground in England? Is it highest ground in Britain as well? Or Yeah, yeah, yeah we're, we're okay with that. So very high. So, it's actually fun, isn't it, going to a new ground if you like football. And I enjoy finding out what the food is like particularly, and how the stands are arranged, and obviously watching the match. But I was quite surprised when I looked at the opposite stand to where I was sitting. Firstly, I was surprised because it wasn't rubble. Secondly, I was surprised because it was full. And I thought West Brom only had about seven supporters and three of them were dogs. But more surprised by this was this on the the side. And I could see that quite clearly. And I had no idea actually why it was there and why a well-known Bible verse was emblazoned on their stands. I asked a West Bromwich Albion fan nearby why it was there, but unfortunately, like most of them, they couldn't read. (laughs) Now, nobody's quite sure where it came from, and there are some different stories around. There's a main explanation, and that was that it was first sung by Baggy's fans on Sunday, January the 27th, 1974, and Albion travelled to Goodison Park, the home of Everton, for an FA Cup fourth round clash. It was very uncommon at the time to play on a Sunday, but the match was moved because of the minor strike. And so the legend goes, a group of Albion supporters from Smedley, that's quite a specific detail then, as they were traveling up, came up with a rendition of the hymn. And so they started singing it and it sort of stuck. Another version that is that um, Keith White, apparently, um, he says that he first sang it in 76, but changed the word to Giles Is My Shepherd, After Johnny Giles, anyone remember? Oh, yeah, a few people, the ones with cobwebs on them. They remember Johnny Giles. And he was one of the players who helped turn the club around. And White says this, he said, I've always loved the Albion, and I believe in God. And I just wanted to show how much we all love Johnny Giles. And if you don't know, that is the first bit of Psalm 23. And this psalm is one of the most famous psalms. It's sung at at weddings or read at weddings and funerals and football matches, because West Brom apparently sing that as well uh, when they've got a full crowd. And it's one of those verses that many people with not much interest in church or faith will recognise. And we decided to look at the whole chapter over the summer as a bit of a reset. You know when sometimes your computer or technology or things are, are sort of get a bit stuck and they're maybe not moving or certain programs aren't working and what do you have to do? You have to reset. Sometimes they've got a reset button, sometimes it's turn it off and on and when it gets a bit like stuck... It's good to then press a reset, see what it should have been like, and hopefully your computer will go back to what it should do. And that's what we want to do here, because we can often know famous verses, but they just become something we're aware of or we accept, rather than something we cling to. And some of us may feel we need to press that reset button in our lives due to covid Maybe the cost of living crisis or other issues in the world or in your life. And this passage shows us who God is to us using an extended metaphor that the vast majority of folk in the Bible times would understand. So let's read it together. And this is from the New King James Version. And this is probably the sort of version that most people will know. So I'll read it if you watch on the screen or read along on the screen. So... A son of David, so King David from the Bible times. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table uh, before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm sure you'll agree, such powerful words. And we're going to each week just look at a verse at a time. I think near the end, maybe two together, but at just a verse or so at a time. And this will really help us drill in what God can say to each one of us. I believe, and I hope you believe as well, that even single sentences weren't put in the Bible by accident. And actually, by spending time, and not rushing, but really looking and squeezing the juice from each part of this psalm, hopefully we will be refreshed and reset during the summer. So today we're just focusing on verse 1, which is on the screen now. And part of the practice of meditating on single verses or small passages of scripture can sometimes feel quite alien to us. And before I speak and say some of my thoughts on the psalm, I want you to have a look at it on the screen. And Joe's just going to play in the background as we do this. So I've added some different versions of the Bible for you, if that helps. Or you can just focus on one. You might want to break it down further and just look at a couple of words or even one. What does the idea of the Lord mean to you? What does the shepherd mean? What does about lacking nothing mean? So, as Joe is pla- um, just playing for a couple of minutes, it may feel weird to you. But I really urge you to just pause concentrate on the screen. If you feel your mind's wandering to your roast dinner or um, what somebody's wearing next to you or things like that, just think of a shepherd's crook and try and pull your thoughts back to what is on the screen. But just try and think what these verses mean and then if you need to pray through them all, if you're thinking what on earth do they mean, just maybe pray, God, Lord, speak to me and ask the Lord to speak to you through these verses. Thank you Joe. Now, for some of you, you would have found that really refreshing, those things you've really focused on. Others you'll just be like, that was really odd. And what I would encourage you to is, when you are doing your quiet times, is sometimes we, especially if you're on Bible for a year and you're like, flipping out, I've got to race through this, otherwise Nicky Gumball's going to come and get me if I don't complete in a year. But actually, by looking at verses and breaking them down, just saying, well, what does this mean to me? And for some of you, actually by breaking it down, you might go, well, I struggle with that part. Maybe you struggle with the idea of God being your shepherd, or even God being your Lord, or I don't need a thing. How does that come with your experience and how you feel? So by breaking it down, it can help us with praying and thinking upon what God's trying to say to us. We've got to be very careful we don't deal with verses totally out of context. Because sometimes if we take a verse and we just go, snatch it. and But often by doing this and really looking at it and breaking down, it can help with our understanding. And also help us meditate and connect with God with this. So, um, continue doing that at home, or I'd encourage you to do it, because it could be really helpful to you. And as we look at this verse... I often say when I preach, let's start at the very beginning, because we know it's a very good place to start. And both at the beginning of the verse and at the beginning of the Bible. So what would a, a reader of that time think when they read the word Lord? We often read this psalm knowing a massive spoiler. And if you don't know, spoilers are killers when you come to watch films or popular TV series. And I tell you she's no no longer here, but Rose Till was one of the worst spoiler people. Because especially if there was a match on it at, at church or some, some and we would dutifully come and record and we're going to watch it later. She'd be on the door going, oh, I can't believe Sweden beat England. That's my Rose Till impression. And you'd be like, You wouldn't be happy. And Broadchurch do you remember a few years ago, I think it was like 10 years ago, it's a big murder mystery, and then the Daily Mail printed, I'm just reading for it, going to watch it that night, and they said, oh, this is the person who did it. Like, thank you, Daily Mail. <laughs> then also, Six Sense, if you've ever watched that, don't watch it if somebody's told you the spoiler, which, no, I won't tell you. Um, but spoilers can often kill the sort of knowing what's happening. However, this puts us in a good position because we know the spoiler that happened afterwards where Jesus said he is the good shepherd. Remember though, when these people first heard this psalm, it was probably around a thousand years before Jesus. So when they hear the word, what would they think of? We've got to remember there are many names for God in the Old Testament. And the word for Lord here is the Hebrew word Yahweh. And this is the divine name that means God is self-existent and self-sufficient. And that that God doesn't need uh, anything or anything outside of himself. And it also means about God being never changing. And we live in changing times, don't we? We don't know who our prime minister will be at the moment. We won't ask you who you're excited about or not. Price of petrols going up, or, or sometimes it's going down, depending on the uh, the garage, and you never quite know as you're driving along what it's going to be, and lots of things seem to be changing, but there's one constant in our lives, and that's the Lord Himself, and there are lots of different ways we would describe Him now, such as the immovable anchor, the cornerstone, the rock. But remember when he was the Lord of Abraham, Isaac, Moses, the people that these um the readers or the hearers of this psalm at the time, they would know that he the Lord throughout creation and history is our shepherd. And also part of that, other names they would have known, such as Elohim, about creator God. So they would not just think of the Lord as some inferior <clears throat> being, they think of him as creator, someone who's always there. And in Isaiah 40, 28, it says, Do you not know, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. And this sort of description, Elohim, is found in the first pages of the Bible in the Old Testament. It's how God first introduces himself. And when the Bible is translated from its Hebrew and then its Greek Roots Elohim is found over two thousand times in the Bible, and it speaks about God's character, describes His ability to bring light and speak through uh, speak light. It establishes that God is in control, the creativity and power, and it also talks about how Elohim is the God of Moses and other heroes of the faith, as well as being the Creator of God. Other names, edited highlights, there are a lot more, are on, the, are on the screen now. You'll see that it says Yahweh, sometimes you'll see Jehovah, and there's similar uh, roots to what's there. Uh, we haven't really got time to go into the differences there, but these are all different names. And there are many more of who, when people say the Lord, what it could mean. My question to you is, who's the Lord to you? Can you recognise any of those? Or are you actually not sure whether God exists? Or does God seem far off? Or would you say, yes, I could identify one of those a while ago, but maybe not now? Recognising God as Lord is a huge step for some. And often we need to reset who God is for us. So my first challenge is, can you say that God is Lord? What maybe are the barriers for you to say that? What are the things that have gone on that maybe have clouded your judgment? Or maybe you're just curious. But there are many people here who would say, well, those names and many more we can say that the Lord is faithful. All the songs that we sung today were declaring who God is and what he has done. He's taken us out of Egypt, something that the people reading it at the time would have seen as such an important thing, but also about being a good father. So our songs of us been declaring who God is. Maybe if you struggle with that, talk to whoever's brought you or someone you trust here or one of the leaders, but think, who is the Lord to you and how can you develop that relationship further? Moving on to the next little part, I'm gonna ask you quite a random question. So have a little think about it. If you had to choose an animal which you best think represents yourself, what would it be? So have a think. So if you, and there's nothing dodgy around, it's not like we're not doing anything like, gonna pray into that, we're just saying like, if you have to say, what animal do you think represents it? It mean, could just be your favourite animal. What would it be? Any ideas? Any, any ones? Door a cat. Mouse. We've got a cat. We've got a dog. Door mouse. A dormouse. A dormouse. Oh, is it? Is it because they're asleep? Or yeah, there we go. A dormouse. That side we're into this. What about this side? Any ideas? Oh, I think was that was that a lion? Oh, is a lion here. Yeah. Spider covered in cobwebs, very good. <laughs> Odd, oh yes. A frog. Oh very good. So we've got different ones here. I always thought of myself as a duckbill platypus just because it's a very curious looking being. But I remember asking this to a Sunday school class years ago. I can't even remember why. And there was a little lad who uh, he went, Tyrannosaurus Rex, (laughs) and then started roaring for about five minutes. It took us a while to sort of uh, calm it down there. So when we answer this question, sometimes we might think of a real um, an animal that we really like, or it could be an animal with an extraordinary quality, maybe like an eagle, a stallion, a dolphin. We didn't get any of these here, but often people would say it's something with speed and flight, beauty, stealth, or a particular nature. However, when God compares us human beings to an animal, One of them isn't particularly flattering is it it's a sheep his choice doesn't really highlight our strength skill superiority it actually is more about the sort of helplessness helplessness, weakness and flaws and with this god's choice reminds us that we need him quick question where does sheep go on holiday Barmouth. Yes, very good. I, I have Bahamas here, but we'll allow Barmouth. What brass instrument does a sheep play? That's actually a woodwind, but anyway. Oh, very good, though, that was, wasn't it? Uh, it's chuba. And how do sheep in Spain say Merry Christmas? Fleece Navidad. Is that actually really key? You probably, when you get the other people doing a verse at a time, I don't think they'll do sheep jokes, but that's that's what we have at the start of the series. Um, So sheep are interesting, aren't they? They can't really run well. They can't hide well. They can't choose food well. They're not great at working together. They're not great at remembering. They're not good at directions or communicating. They don't do that much well, really. And it says here that they're the most helpless animals. Uh, probably some animals are more helpless, but I'm not really an expert on sheep. I sheared a sheep once in Dunstan by Dunster Castle, I think I was about eight. That was an important moment in my life. But Philip Keller, is, and it's a re- he's done a number of books. He's done lots about... He was a shepherd from, born in Africa, and he's done a lot of books around... Uh, The idea of raising sheep and animals and how that links uh, to Christianity. And actually part of what we're basing this series on is his book around Psalm 23. And he talks about an area can get sheeped to death. Have you ever heard that before? No, sheep to death. So if you leave sheep in one area, they'll just ravage it and then because of that and uh, because they'll just eat whatever's there if you've ever seen sean the sheep in the wallace and gromit films because they'll do that they can just kill an area and actually cause real issues to themselves because they'll just go for it and they wouldn't move or anything they just stay there and sheep that area to death and he says sheep easily get lost and wander from their flock they easily eat the wrong plants or drink polluted water And when they fall down, it's hard for them to get up. They get confused or spooked quite easily. They're easy prey for predators. A shepherd's role isn't to just sort out a nice place for the sheep and leave them. Especially in Bible times, the idea of a shepherd was somebody who was regularly assessing, throughout the day, where the sheep were, what predators there were, what was the weather like, the ground like, was anyone wandering off? And remember, King David, he was a shepherd. And when he described him being a shepherd, it wasn't like somebody in a lovely flowing gown with a crook. We can often think of when we think of Jesus as the good shepherd. It was someone fighting off lions and bears. There was real danger here. And Philip Keller talks about the fact that not all shepherds are good. Remember, we know that spoiler. Jesus is the good shepherd. But Philip Keller tended his sheep next door. I think this was in uh, South Africa. There was somewhere that they didn't really care. They didn't go out. They didn't do those daily checks. They just let those sheep Sheep areas to death, really. And with that, what it meant was the sheep became scrawny, they became lame, their coats or their wool wasn't uh, of a great quality. And Philip Keller actually said it was almost like the sheep would press against the fence, looking longingly at the sheep of more uh, competent shepherds. And in the Bible, there are a number of references to bad shepherds in Jeremiah 56, talking about leading sheep in the wrong direction in ezekiel 34 it talks about shepherds eating the sheep and not feeding them and in psalm 49 about allowing sheep to die so it isn't when we're talking about the lord is my shepherd once they see what david's saying later on and i won't spoil those but it's saying about how how this is the care that a shepherd should be doing So who are the bad shepherds in your life? The bad influences, the things that take you to barren land and leave you there. That could be people or things or technology. What doesn't feed you? And I talked about different names of uh, the Lord earlier. Well, the name Yahweh Ra translates the Lord shepherds me and is found in Psalm 23. And further study of it means friend or compassion. So it can be translated as, the Lord is my friend. And in this passage, reminded of just how much God cares for us. He's our friend, our confidant, our leader, provider and shepherd. And this passage is probably one of the most best known scriptures of the Bible because it is one of comfort and a reminder of who God is truly to us. So this shepherd... Is supplying all our needs. It's not a bad shepherd. So in the second half of verse 1, David adds, I shall not want. And if the Lord is your shepherd, all your needs are met in him. Now, when I was young, I used to think that meant if I prayed, I got something. And it didn't help. I think I was nine in the Sunday school Christmas party. And we found out that in the past the parcel were these Kodak um, new cameras. And they were quite, a sort. they were like square, but they were, they were quite good. And I remember, I don't think till that time I'd prayed as hard. <laughs> I had prayed really hard for this. And actually, the pastor parcel, in the end, ended on me and I got the camera. Yes. Now with that, it might be God's sense of humour. It could be a coincidence, I don't know. But for me there, that sort of gave me an almost entitled nature of, I want this, I get this. And even though our shepherd is watching over us and meeting our needs on every level, spiritually, emotionally and physically, remember it's not always what we think we want. So the sheep will eye certain places up and go, well that looks good, and end up, as in the um, the parable, lost, lost. Maybe in a rocky outcrop, we've all probably seen uh, things of sheep or goats on a, a ledge that they've got to and nobody's sure how they've got there and they're just bleating, waiting for someone to help. But often, we always look within ourselves to find the solution to our problems. The idea of Jesus and God being the shepherd is about we need to look upward. We need to look to where that shepherd is guiding us. And relying upon the Lord to supply our needs. It will work through things. Sometimes it's not how we think things should be at the time. And especially when people read that earlier, some of you go, well, my needs at the moment, I'm really struggling. And there are practical things, sometimes with debt and with other areas, that we, addiction that we do. It's worth getting help. And there are great organisations we can treat, uh, we can pass people on to here. But we believe that the ultimate source of blessing and provision of our lives is the Lord Himself, our Good Shepherd. Could the worship team come up, please? Because actually, probably the most important word in this verse is the little verse, "Mine." A little word. Sorry, David said, "The Lord is my Shepherd." Can you say that? Or do you actually think, well, I know he's so-and-so's, my friends, my uncles, my granddads, my aunts, my nieces, my mum, my whoever. We know all those. But can you say the Lord is my shepherd? Do you know Jesus Christ who claims I am the good shepherd and we know is the good shepherd? Are you one of the Lord's sheep? That means you've confessed your sin and committed your life to him. It means you've trusted your future to him. In Psalm 63 verse 1, it says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. However, if the Lord's not your shepherd, it goes back to earlier. What would you say my shepherd is? Because actually... Even though you might fear you've got a shepherd, whether it's friends or other people steering you maybe where you shouldn't be, or like we heard the bad shepherd, letting you go off and doing your own thing, and some of the things online and social media can do that to us. Well, actually, it's almost like we're on our own, because we're not getting the provision or the protection. And I believe that if there's ever a time that you need the Lord to be your shepherd, it's Now. So, maybe today is one as a reset where you're going, actually, these words have meant something to me recently and I can praise God for them. Maybe it's something to go, it's really important that I remember that. Maybe it's the first time for you where you'll say, well, actually, I want to put my trust in that shepherd. He will supply my need, both in this life and the life to come. Joe and the team are going to minister us now using a song which has got some lyrics from uh, Psalm 23 in there. It's about God's got the whole world in his hands. It's a song, that a similar song we sung at primary school. And often because it was such a banger, we we didn't get the true, real uh, spirit behind it. But here, what I'd like you to do, maybe close your eyes, is just hear this. Of jesus has got you your shepherd has got you in his hands thank you team
1: when all around is fading and nothing seems to land When each day is filled with sorrow Still I know With all my heart He's got the whole world in his hand. He's got the whole world in his hand. I fear no evil For you are with me Strong to deal Put the whole world in his hand but when I walk through fire I will not be burned the whole world in His hands. He's got the whole world in His hands. I fear no evil, for you are with me. He's trying to deliver, mighty to save. He's got the whole world in His hands. He's got the whole world in his hand. 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 I fear no evil, for you are with me, strong to deliver. Mighty to say He's got the whole world in his hands When I walk through fire I will not be burned When the waves come crashing around me Still i with all my heart, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. I feel no evil before you are with me. Stronger than
0: So Psalm 23 is almost a testimony of what God means to David. That song there is expressing again what God has done. And for many of us, you may, as we've read this together, you might have been thinking about times where you go, yes. I could say that God is my shepherd. Remember about sharing those with people around you, maybe letting us know, because testimony we've already heard some this morning that's so encouraging. And so being able to say what the Lord is to you can really help encourage those. I've got a bit of an apology just before we sing this together is that um, the some of the young people made me this to wear today. Because they they're doing some animals earlier. I'm sorry, it's fell off. But when I was talking about sheep, I should have wore my sheep hat that was lovingly created by Hannah and Nicole this morning. So thank you to those. But as a sheep, remember, they probably don't really make sense of some things. They just want to eat. They just want to get to the right sort of place. But God has got this world in his hands. We don't understand it. There are some things that we really just don't get. And we pray against or we pray into and it just seems like we're going up against it. But remember, the Lord is the good shepherd. And that is just an amazing promise for us. So let's stand Let's sing that Let's declare He's got the whole world in his hands together So Joe's gonna lead us But let's just sing that chorus together Let's stand
1: He's got the whole world in his hands He's got the whole world in his hands He's got the whole world He's got the whole world in his hands He's got the whole world in His hands. I'm feeling no evil, for you are with me. Strong to deliver, mighty to save. He's got the whole world in His hands. He's got the whole world in His hands. He's got, the whole He's, got the whole He's got the whole world in His hands. He's got the whole world in His hands. He's got the whole world in His hands. And I'll be no weaver, for you are with me. Strong to deliver, mighty to save.
0: Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Help us, Lord, understand more about who you are and how you're there for us. But help us also declare who you are to us as well. Amen. Last song, we're going to sing our last song. Folks, as we're going into our next week, we're praying for folk. It's great to see Awasi back. I finished a degree, welcome back. Um, we're praying for Chloe. Chloe.